Welcome, and thank you for joining Sandcastle Theatre Company for an audio play reading of Trifles by Susan Glassbell. We hope you enjoy the show. Trifles by Susan Glassbell Time, Winter, 1900 Place, a farm in Iowa we are in the kitchen in a now abandoned farmhouse of John Wright. It is a gloomy kitchen and was left without having been put in order. Unwashed pans are under the sink, a loaf of bread sits outside the bread box, and a dish towel is on the table, among other signs of unfinished work. The front door opens and Sheriff Peters comes in, followed by Attorney Henderson and Mr. Lewis Hale, a neighboring farmer. All three are bundled up in wintered clothes and go straight to the stove to warm themselves. They are followed by two women, Mrs. Peters, the sheriff's wife, who has a thin, nervous face, and Mrs. Hale, who is disturbed and looks around fearfully as she enters. The women have come in slowly and stand close together near the door. Attorney Henderson rubs his hands together by the stove. This feels good. Come up to the fire, ladies. I'm not cold. Sheriff Peters unbuns his overcoat and steps away from the stove. Now, Mr. Hale, before we move things about, you explain to Mr. Henderson just what you saw when you came here yesterday morning. By the way, has anything been moved? Or are things just as you left them yesterday? It's just the same. Uh, when it dropped below zero last night, I thought I'd better send Frank out this morning to make a fire for us. No use getting pneumonia with a big case on. But I told him not to touch anything except the stove, and you know Frank. Somebody should have been left here yesterday. Oh, yesterday. When I had to send Frank to Morris Center for that man who went crazy, I want you to know I had my hands full yesterday. I knew you could get back from Omaha by today, and as long as I went over everything here myself. Well, Mr. Hale... Tell just what happened when you came here yesterday morning. Harry and I started to town with a load of potatoes. We came along the road from my place, and as I got here, I said, I'm going to see if I can't get John Wright to go in with me on a party telephone. I spoke to Wright about it once before, and he put me off saying folks talk too much anyway, and all he asked was peace and quiet. I guess you know about how much he talked himself. But I thought maybe if I went to the house and talked about it before his wife, though I said to Harry that I didn't know what his wife wanted, make much difference to John. Let's talk about that later, Mr. Hill. I do want to talk about that, but tell now just what happened when you got to the house. I didn't hear or see anything. I knocked at the door and still it was all quiet inside. I knew they must be up. It was past eight o'clock. So I knocked again, and I thought I heard somebody say, come in. I wasn't sure. I'm not sure yet, but I opened the door, this door. And there in that rocker sat Mrs. Wright. What was she doing? She was rocking back and forth. She had her apron in her hand and was kind of pleating it. And how did she look? Well, she, she looked queer. How do you mean queer? Well, as if she didn't know what she was going to do next and kind of done up. How does she seem to feel about your coming? 
well, I don't think she minded one way or the other. She didn't pay much attention. I, I said, how do, Mrs. Wright? It's cold, ain't it? And she said, is it? And then went on kind of pleating at her apron. Well, I was surprised. She didn't ask me to come up to the stove or to sit down, but just sat there not even looking at me. So I said, I want to see John. And then she laughed. I, I guess you would call it a laugh. I thought of Harry and the team outside, so I said a little sharp, can I see John? No, she says, kind of dull-like. Well, ain't he home, says I. Yes, says she, he's home. Then why can't I see him, I asked her out of patience. Because he's dead, says she. Dead, says I. She just nodded her head, not getting a bit excited, but rocking back and forth. What, where is he, says I, not knowing what to say. She, she just pointed upstairs like that. And I got up with the idea going up there. I walked from there to here. And then I says, well, what did he die of? He died of a rope round his neck, says she. And then just went on pleating at her apron. Well, I went out and called Harry. I thought I might need help. And we went upstairs and there he was lying. I think I'd rather have you go into that upstairs where you can point it all out. Just go on now with the rest of the story. Well, my first thought was to get that rope off. It looked, but, but Harry, he went up to him and he said, nah, he's dead all right. And we better not touch anything. So we went back downstairs she was still sitting that same way. Has anybody been notified? I asked. No, says she, unconcerned. Who did this, Mrs. Wright? said Harry. He said it businesslike, and she stopped pleating at her apron. I, I don't know, she says. You don't know, says Harry. No, says she. Weren't you sleeping in the bed with him, says Harry. Yes, says she but I was on the inside. Somebody slipped a rope round his neck and strangled him and you didn't wake up, says Harry. I didn't wake up, she said after him. And we must've looked as if we didn't know how that could be for after a minute, she said, I sleep sound. Harry was gonna ask her more questions, but I said, maybe we ought to let her tell her story first to the coroner or the sheriff. So Harry went as fast as he could to Rivers Place where there's a telephone. And what did Mrs. Wright do when she knew that you had gone for the coroner? She moved from that chair to this one over here and just sat there with her hands held together and looking down. And I, I got the feeling that I ought to make some conversation. So I said I'd come to see if John wanted to put in a telephone. And at that, she started to laugh. And then she stopped and looked at me, scared. Attorney Henderson makes a note in his notebook. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't scared. I wouldn't like to say it was. Well, soon Harry got back, and then Dr. Lloyd came, and you, Mr. Peters, and so I guess that's all I know that you don't. I guess we'll go upstairs first and then go out to the barn around there, Sheriff. You're convinced there was nothing important here, nothing that would point to any motive. Nothing here but kitchen things. Attorney Henderson looks around the kitchen again and then opens the door of a cupboard closet. He gets up on a chair to look on a shelf and pulls his hand away 
sticky with preserved fruit. Here's a nice mess. Oh, her fruit. It did freeze. Mrs. Rat worried about that when, when it turned so cold. She said the fire'd go out and her jars would break. Well, can you beat the women held for murder and worrying about her preserves? I guess before we're through, she may have something more serious than preserves to worry about. Well, women are used to worrying over trifles. <laughs> and yet, for all their worries, what would we do without the ladies? Attorney Henderson goes to the sink. He takes a dipper full of water from the pail and pours it into a basin to wash his hands. He starts to wipe them on the roller towel, turning it for a cleaner place, and kicks his foot against the pans under the sink. Dirty towels? Not much of a housekeeper, would you say, ladies? There's a great deal of work to be done on a farm. To be sure, and yet I know there are some Dixon County farmhouses which do not have such roller towels. Those towels get dirty awful quick. Men's hands aren't always as clean as they might be. Ah, loyal to your sex, I see. But you and Mrs. Wright were neighbors. I suppose you were friends, too. I've not seen much of her of late years. I've not been in this house. Well, it's more than a year. And why was that? You didn't like her? I liked her all well enough. Farmer's wives have their hands full, Mr. Henderson. And then... Yes? It never seemed a very cheerful place. No, it's not cheerful. I shouldn't say she had the homemaking instinct. Well, I don't know as Riot had either. You mean that they didn't get on very well? No, I don't mean anything. But I don't think a place would be any cheerfuller for John Wright's being in it. I'd like to talk more of that a little later. I want to get the lay of things upstairs now. I suppose anything Mrs. Peters does will be all right. She was to take in some clothes for her, you know, and a few little things. We left in such a hurry yesterday. Yes, but I would like to see what you take, Mrs. Peters, and keep an eye out for anything that might be of use to us. Yes, Mr. Henderson. Attorney Henderson, Mr. Hale, and Sheriff Peters exit to the second floor. The women listen to the men's steps on the stairs, then look about the kitchen. Mrs. Hale arranges the pans under the sink, which Attorney Henderson had shoved out of place. I'd hate to have men coming into my kitchen, snooping around and criticizing. Of course, it's no more than their duty. Duty's all right, but I guess that deputy sheriff that came out to make the fire might have got a little of this dirt on. Wish I'd thought of that sooner. Seems mean to talk about her for not having things slicked up when she had to come away in such a hurry. Mrs. Peters goes to a small table in the left rear corner of the room. She lifts one end of a towel that covers a pan and stands still. Hmm. She had bread set. Mrs. Hale's eyes are fixed on a loaf of bread beside the bread box, which is on a low shelf at the other side of the room. She moves slowly toward it. She was going to put this in there. It's a shame about her fruit. I wonder if it's all gone. I think there's some here that's all right, Mrs. Peters. Yes, up here. This is cherries, too. I declare, I believe that's the only one. 
She'll feel awful bad after all her hard work in the hot weather. I remember the afternoon I put up my cherries last summer. Mrs. Hale goes to the sink and wipes the fruit bottle off on the outside. She puts it on the big kitchen table. With a sigh, Mrs. Hale is about to sit down in the rocking chair, but quickly realizes what chair it is. With a slow look at it, she steps back. The chair, which she has touched, rocks back and forth. Well, I must get those things from the front room closet. You coming with me, Mrs. Hale? You could help me carry them. They go in the other room and quickly reappear. Mrs. Peters carries a dress and a skirt. Mrs. Hale follows with a pair of shoes. Mrs. Peters puts the clothes on the big table and hurries to the stove. Mrs. Hale examines the skirt. Oh, my, it's cold in there. Mr. Wright was close. I think maybe that's why she kept so much to herself. She didn't even belong to the ladies' aid. I suppose she felt she couldn't do her part. And then you don't enjoy things when you feel shabby. She used to wear pretty clothes and be lively when she was Minnie Foster, one of the town girls singing in the choir. But that, that was 30 years ago. This all you was to take in? She said she wanted an apron. Funny thing to want, for there isn't much to get you dirty in jail, goodness knows. But I suppose just to make her feel more natural. She said they was in the top drawer in this cupboard. Yes, here. And then her little shawl that always hung behind the door. Yes, here it is. Mrs. Peters quickly shuts the door leading upstairs, and Mrs. Hale abruptly moves towards Mrs. Peters. Mrs. Peters? Yes, Mrs. Hale. Do you think she did it? Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't think she did. Asking for an apron and her little shawl, worrying about her fruit. Mrs. Peters is about to speak, but glances up, where footsteps are heard in the room above. Mr. Peters says it looks bad for her. Mr. Henderson is awful sarcastic in his speech, and he'll make fun of her, saying she didn't wake up. Well, I guess John Wright didn't wake when they was slipping that rope under his neck. No, it's queer. It must have been done awful crafty and still. They say it was such a funny way to kill a man, rigging it all up like that. That's just what Mr. Hale said. There was a gun in the house. He says that's what he can't understand. Mr. Henderson said coming out that what was needed for the case was a motive, something to show anger or sudden feeling. Well, I don't see any signs of anger around here. It's wiped to here. Mrs. Hale puts her hand on the dish towel, which lies on the table, one half of which is clean, the other half messy. She makes a move as if to finish work, then turns and looks at the loaf of bread outside the bread box, dropping the towel. Wonder how they're finding things upstairs. I hope she had it a little more red up up there. You know, it seems kind of sneaking, locking her up in town and then coming out here and trying to get her own house to turn against her. Now, Mrs. Hale, the law is the law. Better loosen up your things, Mrs. Peters. You won't feel them when you go out. Mrs. Hale unbuttons her coat. Mrs. Peters takes off her fur tippet, 
and goes to hang it on a hook at the back of the room. She stands looking at the underpart of the small corner table. She was piecing a quilt. Mrs. Peters brings the large sewing basket, and they look at the bright pieces. It's a log cabin pattern. Pretty, isn't it? I wonder if she was going to quilt it or just knot it. Sheriff Peters comes down the stairs, followed by Mr. Hale and Attorney Henderson. They wonder if she was going to quilt it or just knot it. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Frank's fire didn't do much up there, did it? Well, let's go out to the barn and get that cleared up. The men go outside. Mrs. Hale sits down at the big table, smoothing out a quilt block. I don't know if there's anything so queer, our taking up our time with little things while we're waiting for them to get the evidence. I don't see as it's anything to laugh about. Of course, they've got awful important things on their minds. Mrs. Peters pulls up a chair and joins Mrs. Hale at the table. Mrs. Hale examines another quilt block. Mrs. Peters, look at this one. Here, this is the one she was working on and Look at the sewing. All the rest of it has been so nice and even. And look at this. It's all over the place. Why, it looks as if she didn't know what she was about. They look at each other, then start to glance back at the door. After an instant, Mrs. Hale pulls out a knot and rips the sewing. Oh, what are you doing, Mrs. Hale? Just pulling out a stitch or two that's not sewed very good. Bad sewing always made me fidgety. I don't think we ought to touch things. I'll just finish up this end. Mrs. Peters? Yes, Mrs. Hale? What do you suppose she was so nervous about? Oh, I don't know. I don't know she was nervous. I sometimes sew awful queer when I'm just tired. Mrs. Hale starts to say something, looks at Mrs. Peters, then goes on sewing. Mrs. Peters begins putting the apron and other things together. Well, I must get these things wrapped up. They may be through sooner than we think. I wonder where I could find a piece of paper and string. In that cupboard, maybe. Why? Here's a bird cage. Did she have a bird, Mrs. Hale? Why, I don't know whether she did or not. I've not been here for so long. There was a man around last year selling canaries cheap, but I don't know if she took one. Maybe she did. She used to sing real pretty herself. Seems funny to think of a bird here, but she must have had one, or why would she have a cage? I wonder what happened to it. I suppose maybe the cat got it. No, she didn't have a cat. She's got that feeling some people have about cats being afraid of him. My cat got into her room and she was real upset and asked me to take it out. My sister Bessie was like that. Queer, ain't it? Well, look at this cage door. It, it's broke. One hinge is pulled apart. Looks as if someone must have been rough with it. Why, yes. Mrs. Peters brings the cage forward and puts it on the table. I wish if they're going to find any evidence, they'd be about it. I don't like this place. 
But I'm awful glad you came with me, Mrs. Hale. It would be lonesome for me sitting here alone. It would, wouldn't it? But I tell you what I do wish, Mrs. Peters. I wish I had come over sometimes when she was here. I, I wish I had. But, of course, you were awful busy, Mrs. Hale. Your house and, and your children. I could have come. I stayed away because it weren't cheerful. And that's why I ought to have come. I, I've never liked this place. Maybe because it's down in a hollow and you don't see the road. I don't know what it is, but it's a lonesome place and always was. I wish I had come over to see Minnie Foster sometimes. I can see now. Well, you mustn't reproach yourself, Mrs. Hale. Somehow, we just don't see how it is with other folks until something comes up. Not having children makes less work, but it makes a quiet house. And right out to work all day and no company when he did come in. Did you know John Wright, Mrs. Peters? Not to know him. I've seen him in town. They say he was a good man. Yes, good. He didn't drink and kept his word as well as most, I guess, and paid his debts. But he was a hard man, Mrs. Peters. Just to pass the time of day with him, <sighs> like a raw wind that gets to the bone. I should think she would have wanted a bird. But what do you suppose went with it? I don't know. Unless it got sick and died? Mrs. Peters reaches over and swings the broken door, swings it again. Both women watch it. You weren't raised around here, were you? You didn't know her? Not till they brought her yesterday. She, come to think of it, she was kind of like a bird herself. Real sweet and pretty, but kind of timid and fluttery. <laughs> How she did change. Tell you what, Mrs. Peters, why don't you take the quilt in with you? It might take up her mind. Why, I think that's a real nice idea, Mrs. Hale. There couldn't possibly be any objection to it, could there? Now, just what would I take? I wonder if her patches are in here and her things. Mrs. Peters and Mrs. Hale look in the sewing basket. Here's some red. I expect this has got sewing things in it. Ah, oh, what a pretty box. Looks like something somebody would give you. Maybe her scissors are in here. Mrs. Hale opens the box. Suddenly, she puts her hand to her nose. Mrs. Peters bends nearer, then turns her face away. Why, there's something wrapped up in this piece of silk. Why, this isn't her scissors. Oh, Mrs. Peters, it's... Mrs. Hale lifts the silk and jumps up as Mrs. Peters bends closer. Oh, it's... It's the bird. But Mrs. Peters, look at it. it. It's neck. Look at its neck. It's all other side to. Somebody wrung its neck. Their eyes meet, a look of growing comprehension, of horror. Steps are heard outside. Mrs. Hale slips the box under Mrs. Wright's quilt pieces and sinks into her chair. Sheriff Peters enters with Attorney Henderson. 
Mrs. Peters rises. Well, ladies, have you decided whether she's going to quilt it or knot it? We think she was going, she was going to knot it. Well, that's interesting, I'm sure. Attorney Henderson notices the birdcage as Mrs. Hale puts more quilt pieces over the box with the bird in it. Has the bird flown? We think the cat got it. Is there a cat? Mrs. Hale glances in a quick covert way at Mrs. Peters. Well, uh, not now. They're superstitious, you know? They leave. No sign at all of anyone having come from the outside, Sheriff. Their own rope. Now let's go up again and go over it piece by piece. It would have been someone who knew just the... Attorney Henderson's voice trails off as the men walk upstairs. Mrs. Peters sits down. The two women sit there, not looking at one another. She liked the bird. She was going to bury it in that pretty box. When I was a girl, my kitten, there was a boy took a hatchet and before my eyes, and before I could get there, if they hadn't held me back, I would have hurt him. I wonder how it would seem never to have had any children around. No, Wright wouldn't like the bird, a thing that sang. She used to sing. He killed that too. We don't know who killed the bird. I knew John Wright. It was an awful thing was done in this house that night, Mrs. Hale. Killing a man while he slept, slipping a rope around his neck that choked the life out of him. His neck choked the life out of him. Mrs. Hale's hand goes out and rests on the birdcage. We don't know who killed him. We don't know. If there'd been years and years of nothing, then a bird to sing to you, it would be awful still after the bird was still. I know what stillness is. When we homesteaded in Dakota and my first baby died, after he was two years old and me with no other than... How soon do you suppose they'll be through looking for the evidence? I know what stillness is. Oh, the law has got to punish crime, Mrs. Hale. I wish you'd seen Minnie Foster when she wore a white dress with blue ribbons and stood up there in the choir and sang. Oh. I wish I'd come over here once in a while. That was a crime. That was a crime. Who's going to punish that? We mustn't take on. I might have known she needed help. I know how things can be for women. I tell you, it's queer, Mrs. Peters. We live close together and we live far apart. We all go through the same things. And it's all just a different kind of the same thing. Mrs. Hale brushes her eyes and, noticing the bottle of preserved fruit, reaches out for it. If I was you, I wouldn't tell her her fruit was gone. Tell her it ain't. 
tell her it's all right. Take, take this one in to prove it to her. She, she may never know whether it was broke or not. Mrs. Peters takes the bottle and looks about for something to wrap it in. She takes a petticoat from the clothes brought from the other room and very nervously begins winding it around the bottle. My, it's a good thing the men couldn't hear us. Wouldn't they just laugh? Getting all stirred up over a little thing like a dead canary, as if at that could have anything to do with... Wouldn't they laugh? Maybe they would. Maybe they wouldn't. The men are heard coming downstairs. No, Peters. It's all perfectly clear except the reason for doing it. But you know jurors when it comes to women. If there was some definite thing, something to show, something to make a story about, a thing that would connect up with this strange way of doing it. The women's eyes meet for an instant as Mr. Hale enters from the outer door. Well, I've got the team around. Pretty cold out there. I'm going to stay here a while by myself, Sheriff. You can send Frank out for me, can't you? I want to go over everything. I'm not satisfied that we can't do better. You want to see what Mrs. Peters is going to take in? Attorney Henderson goes to the table, picks up the apron, moves a few things about, disturbing the quilt pieces which cover the box. He steps <laughs> back. <laughs> oh, I guess they're not very dangerous things the ladies have picked out. No, Mrs. Peters doesn't need supervisor. For that matter, a sheriff's wife is married to the law. Ever think of it that way, Mrs. Peters? Uh, not just that way. <laughs> married to the law. I, I just want you to come in here a minute, George. We ought to take a look at these windows. Oh, windows. We'll be right out, Mr. Hale. Mr. Hale goes outside, and Sheriff Peters follows Attorney Henderson into the other room. Mrs. Peters and Mrs. Hale are alone again. Mrs. Hale rises, hands tight together, looking intensely at Mrs. Peters, whose eyes make a slow turn, finally meeting Mrs. Hale's. Mrs. Hale holds her gaze. Then, her own eyes point to the way to where the box is concealed. Suddenly, Mrs. Peters throws back the quilt pieces and tries to put the box in the bag she is wearing. It is too big. She opens the box and starts to take the bird out, but cannot bring herself to touch it. She goes to pieces and stands there, helpless. They hear the sound of a doorknob turning in the other room. Mrs. Hale steps in at the last moment and snatches the box, putting it in the pocket of her big coat. Attorney Henderson and Sheriff Peters re-enter the room as Mrs. Hale's hand rests against the pocket, which holds the box with the dead bird inside. Well, Henry, at least we found out that she was not going to quilt it. She was going to, what is it you call it, ladies? We call it not it, Mr. Henderson. End of play. Thank you so much for tuning in to this audio play reading of Trifles by Susan Glassbell. The reading featured Tatiana Chiapo as narrator, Warren Foster as Attorney Henderson, Emily Kieshian as Mrs. Peters, Jerome St. Jerome as Sheriff Peters, Sheila M. Debit as Mrs. Hale, and Jason Oler as Mr. Hale. 
You can find us on social media at facebook.com slash sandcastletheaterco and at sandcastletheaterco on Instagram. We are an emerging theater company committed to nurturing and producing new plays, growing a broader theater community, and creating accessible opportunities for people to experience original stories.